I'm Aria Schwartz, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. I'm very excited for this episode as we continue going through each team in preparation for the 2021 WNBA season. This episode, we welcome in two Windsider reporters, Jeff Maglicetti and Miles Ehrlich, to talk all things New York Liberty. our show please consider joining our patreon community patreon.com backslash winsider for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w and don't forget to see our staff's amazing written content over at winsider.com that's winsider.com while you're over there you can still check out our overseas tracker it's live and you can see where your favorite WNBA players played overseas all in one place or are still playing all in one place and remember to download this episode it makes our stats look better and allows us to continue doing this important work. Very excited for this one. It's not often that I get to have, well, I guess if you count myself, three Windsider staffers on one episode. Miles Ehrlich, Jeff Maglicetti, welcome to the show. So happy to hear have you here. Excited to talk Liberty, as I know you both are much wiser when it comes to Seafoam season. No other hashtag for the Liberty besides that. Jeff, Welcome to the show. Tell the folks where they can read your work, read your ramblings, and see your pretty face. <laughs> All right, thanks for thank you uh, for having uh, having me on. Thank you for having us both on. Always enjoyable uh, to cover the liberty. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jeff J Mags. That's G E O F F. The letter J M A G S. That's Jeff with a G, much like the famous draft toy salesman of the sale of the same name and you can also find my liberty work on windsider as well as nets republic and empire sports media where i also cover the new york jets and nascar miles how you doing welcome to the show where can everyone see your pretty face read your pretty work and uh see your ramblings hey happy to be here i'm on twitter at miles Ehrlich. Like Jeff, I spell my first name unconventionally. It's M-Y-L-E-S-E-H-R-L-I-C-H. And I also write at Windsider, Queen Ballers Club, and Nets Republic. And at Nets Republic, I cover the Liberty Beat. And all my work is up on my website, which is milesurlich.com. Woo! All right. Let's hop into it. Enough of the pleasantries. Roll up the sleeves. Uh, It's BK time. It's New York Liberty time. It's seafoam season. How are you guys feeling about this team? This part is a really fun part because I'm going to leave it open-ended. I'm not even going to push you in any direction until later in this episode. Um, let's start off with you, Miles. Uh, give me some updates. You know, What's kind of your mindset? What are, what are your personal takeaways from training camp so far in the media availability? Obviously, none of us, as far as I know, unless you guys are holding secrets for me, none of us have been able to be in the building, which obviously hampers our ability to truly analyze and break down the ins and outs of this team the players and the teams probably like it better that way a little bit uh but what are your thoughts what are your takeaways so far from training camp miles i mean while we haven't been in the building something that's really exciting especially for so many of these players that are either rookies or sophomores in the league is that they are practicing at the barclays center and ahead of last year's season which ended up in the bradenton bubble the Liberty were supposed to make their debut there. So none of the players on the team have played there outside of one regular season game uh, back in 2019. 
So around training camp, it's a lot of new faces. It's a lot of rookies and training camp contracts and the veterans. The, the Liberty had a really exciting offseason. They signed most improved player from last year, Benaja Laney, and then they traded for Natasha Howard and Sammy Whitcomb. And of those three, only, well, so Sammy Whitcomb started practicing and got into the scrimmage last week. Benaja Laney just showed up and Natasha Howard still is overseas. So it's kind of hard to tell what this team is going to look like with all these new weapons. And they've also been working Sabrina Unescu back from her injury last year. So it's still a lot of questions, but it's really exciting just to get the vibes of a lot of these young players really just showing up together. And the coaching staff is really excited and the players are all really, really positive. They've talked a lot about character in the off season. That's kind of been the buzzword uh, from head coach Walt Hawkins and GM Jonathan Kolb. And like, we're seeing that with these players as we talk to them at media day, every day, I'm just kind of taken aback by just how nice and how passionate and just how hardworking all of these players around the, around the franchise seem to be. Well, I love that. And I, I gotta say uh shout out to Jeff's article where he talked about the character being a key word. This team Definitely has some keywords about, right? Hyper rebuild or what was it? Hybrid rebuild and character. Jeff, checking in from training camp, how are you feeling about this team and, and what are your takeaways from training camp? This team is very interesting because they are in a bit of an unpredictable sense. First of all, Miles is exactly right. Do not play the take a shot or drink every time someone in pressers says character or defense for that matter, it's not going to go well for you. Let's just leave it at that. So, <laughs> because that's what's interesting about this team, me, because they want to play good basketball and look good to and look good doing it. You know, because there's so many players out there who are doing things beyond the court, expressing their free, expressing their freedom of speech in the best ways, and you know, going out there and working on improving their community a little bit. I mean, Leisha Clarendon's been on at the head of several off-court endeavors. Uh, Jocelyn Willoughby, who unfortunately uh, get well soon, uh, will be out for the year now because of an injury she suffered in that scrimmage on Tuesday, on Monday in Connecticut. Um, she started a book club, of course, collaborating with a, I believe was a uh, local cafe to work on that. So that's what's interesting about this team is that they want to play good basketball and, you know, do, and do good things do and do good things at the same time do do what they believe is the right thing at the same time so that that should certainly be commended and one thing about this squad which is so interesting once you know Natasha Howard Benajelani and Sammy Whitcomb came here i think they're i think they're finally uh, it, you're finally allowed to have expectations about this New York Liberty team again because it's been so interesting with the squad ever since you know the 2015 through 2017 seasons when they had an Eastern Conference best, I think they had 66 wins in that span. You know, things have, they have gone through things that, you know, most franchises don't go through in their entire existence, never mind just a few years. And some of these things that happen to them, they, they often spell death sentences for, 
you know, uh, WNBA teams, including, you know, being moved from one are- one uh, large arena to a smaller one. Of course, uh, the Art Deco adorned uh, relic up in White Plains. White- West oh, Street. God, we're still talking about White. I thought we could, like, put that in the rear view. Never, <laughs> never remember that again. <laughs> You know what? I do feel uh, I do feel like we'll need a jar like uh, every time someone almost like a swear jar of sorts. Every time someone says White Plains or Westchester, probably have to probably have to put a quarter in the job. Get our get ourselves something nice, you know. Brooklyn, Brooklyn, unfortunately, <laughs> the prices go up over there. <laughs> but um, but um, I, I but I digress, you know. And also separation from a quote unquote NBA brother, you know, formerly owned by the Madison Square Garden Company and the New York Knicks and whatnot. They were they used to work with them. Uh, they were able to find such stability. And last year was supposed to be a point where you know it all came together. You know, you have the number one pick. You have a brand new home to call your own. You're playing within city limits. The top New York City sports team by far was back in New York City. And of course, like so many, the, the Liberty seemed to personify that meme. You know my plans versus 2020 because nothing seemed to work out for them. You know, they had to go play in the Bradenton bubble. Uh, Sabrina Ionescu gets injured and, you know, it, it sort of killed any momentum they wanted to have before they ever got started. But now it's fit. It's fair to once again, have some sort of expectation for this team. Now, the rebuild is not complete. Jonathan Cobb was interested in, you know, starting this quote unquote hybrid rebuild where, you know, it invo- involved, you know, competing while still, uh, while still, you know, working toward the future. And that's going to be something to uh, take a look at. Don't you think, Miles? Absolutely, Jeff. And I think that these expectations, it, it dates back to last season, how with, with COVID, there was no team that was as affected as the New York Liberty were. Um, they had a lot of overseas talent that didn't come over, whether it was Rebecca Allen, who they had huge plans for to take a leap because of her perimeter shooting and her versatility on defense or Marine Johannes who would have added guard depth, especially after Sabrina Unescu got hurt in the third game of the season. So really everything broke the wrong way. So you're looking at a team that's coming off of a two and 20 season and coming off of after having the lottery pick the number one pick in the lottery last year, they landed that pick again before dealing it. Um, But it doesn't necessarily mean that this is a team talent wise that is starting from scratch and just throwing it all together and trying to make it up as it goes, as, as they go. But last year, unfortunately they had to do that. There was never a team that had to field seven rookies on a roster at a time and make it work. And this was a brand new coaching staff. This is like you said, this was 2020 was supposed to be the year of the, like the new brand of the Liberty. They had their new jerseys. They had their new arena. They, they were moving like you said, I'm not going to say from where, but they're moving to Brooklyn <laughs> to a giant arena. And basically everything just kind of broke wrong. And then they were on their heels and had to make it work. Jazz Jones played a lot of minutes at point guard last year and commendable, commendable season. She was named to the all rookie team, but she said she hadn't played point guard since high school. So this team was really, really making it work on the fly and, the results unfortunately showed that, you know, when you're in a league where everybody is, you're part of that 144, right? That top 144, mm-hmm. the margin for error is so slight. Totally. And and I, I don't want to like step in here and say, you know, I disagree with you. You're wrong. I just want to point this out because I don't want fans to give me a backlash out here and say, you're letting them get away with this. I think 
<laughs> something that every team does, especially in regards to this past year, when any team that struggled will have that comment of, we were the worst impacted from COVID out of all of these teams. Many teams claim that, and many teams have a right to claim that. I mean, you look at Atlanta, who had a plethora of players late to joining the team. You look at Connecticut, um, who had key players step out, key players join late. Atlanta's the one that I always think of just in regards to you know players who were there or who were scheduled to be there, just you know having COVID, having to get back from it. But then on the, the flip side, Asia Durr, get better soon. Uh, shout out to her. I don't think anybody has said it enough, but like get better soon. But I also want to talk about um, a point that was a little hot topic. And, and I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't bring this up. But was last year a tank? And and I say that only to bring it up because of how humorous I find it to say that it was a tank. And the reason that I find it humorous is when you look at a roster, as you pointed out, Miles, and I'm sure you did also, Jeff. Uh, but I just remember Miles saying it more recently. This team had seven rookies on it. You're not tanking when you have that many rookies. What you're doing is most likely going to end in an end result similar to a tank. But that's it's very different between taking a team that is a competitive team and trying to get them to lose to get a better draft pick and taking a team that has been very damaged by COVID and saying, okay, we have these super young players. And while we're not going to succeed this season in winning a championship, if that's what we dub success, what we are going to succeed in is getting an idea of knowing what these seven players are capable. Well, had a little less once Sabrina went down, but finding out what these players are capable of and being able to use that information, because as I stress this, what is the, what is the big question of players coming in from the draft? The big question is how can you compete against pros? We've seen how you've competed against hundreds of other people who you probably have a size advantage of that. Maybe your skill set's a little bit above, but what happens when it's flipped and you don't have the size advantage anymore? You don't have that vet savviness and maybe you don't have as high a skill set as a lot of these players around you. How is that going to impact you? And how are you going to speak to that? Um, Real quick, before we get to rosters, Miles, what's your thoughts? Oh, I have strong thoughts about tanking and just the idea of tanking. And it's just in all professional sports, this is not just the WNBA, but there are so few spots available for these professionals. So these players in a league where there are going to be players coming in every season to try to come for their jobs they are not trying to actively lose those jobs. They are not Mm -hmm. trying to play at a lesser skill level or lose some games that they can get the first draft pick instead of the second. But I would say that it's even more ridiculous to think about that in terms of the WNBA because there's a two-year draft cumulative average when they're doing the lottery. They look at your record from the last two seasons and you're eligible if you're one of the four teams that doesn't make the playoffs. So you already have a head start. You already kind of know where you're going. One game here, one game there is not going to make the difference. And especially for a roster that, like we've said a bunch of times, had so many rookies that were fighting for their jobs and fighting for the the minutes to get exposure for either another contract somewhere else or for overseas play. It does not behoove them. And for the front office, the Liberty landed the first pick and traded it. I, I don't think that like I think that the narrative of, of tanking is is just more about um, fans that are watching their teams lose and they want a rationale for why their teams are losing. And sometimes it's just that the roster as constructed just can't hang with some of the other ones that are there, but it's never due to a lack of effort or anything like that. Jeff, your thoughts? 
Yeah, Miles is absolutely right in that regard because I, for any sport, I don't get the fascination with tanking because the, what people don't realize, there are livelihoods on the line. And what's been the famous battle cry seems like from every WNBA rider, though, I said it first after the 2019 draft. What does what, what does everyone want? Expansion. We've talked about how there's only 144 spots for the best women's players, not just only in the country, but pretty much in the world as well, with all the international talent that come that's come in. And and asking players to, you know, toss away games to gain a reward that to reap a reward that they might not be able to sow, or is it the other way around? I'm not a farmer, unfortunately. It's it's, <laughs> it's just, you know, it's ludicrous to ask them to do that. It's ludicrous to go in there and ask them to be, for any sport, to say, you know, hey, go out there and do a, an intentionally terrible job so we can get someone better to take to take your place. And I understand why fans want to do it. You know, you need something to entertain yourself with in a tough season. You know, it's it, it's almost uh, it's almost cathartic to see them just to know that the losses are going toward a good cause. But you know, I, I just hope we get. I think we are at a point this year, at least from a New York standpoint, where you know, losses you know aren't co- wins aren't cause for panic anymore if that makes sense and you know i don't think that this team tanked because there were efforts out there every single night and hawkins and company knew it from the get-go that you know that they had to find victories beyond the scoreboard i think hopkins said it several times last year we had to find victories elsewhere we had to find victories elsewhere and they did and see it's not even just the current crop of players right now uh well because you know jasmine jones miles you mentioned how she hadn't played point guards since her days over at Florida A&M Developmental, and, you know, she comes out there and does a very solid job, averages double figures in points, never never stops quitting, I, I, uh, among the leaders, if not the leader, in rookies and steals, and she comes out there and wins herself all uh, all WNBA rookie honors. Le- uh, Liana Naotam was another one who really stood out to me in the sense that, you know, she was a 15th overall pick. It's hard enough for fifth, number 15 picks to merely get on the mm-hmm. line. And she comes out there and she might go down as one of the best kept secrets of the bubble out there, you know, because she comes out there, does very well for herself. The best players in the league are talking about her. Dewana Bonner, for example. Diana Tarazi was another one that she had to cover who had to incur her wrath in a couple games this year. So, you know, it, it goes to show you that, you know, these players were not tanking. It was not just the players in the current monster. Kia Nurse, for example, one of the most memorable incidents I, I recall. They were playing Seattle, I think it was late August. It was a 10 o'clock game. And they, and you know, it it went just exactly how you would picture probably a team with seven rookies taking on the, or six rookies at the time, taking on the mighty Seattle Storm. You know, it was a 40 point game. It was after midnight on the East Coast. And, you know, Kia Nurse goes up to, you know, to uh, Dustin Gray, as a matter of fact, the assistant coach. And she requests to put herself back in the game because she wanted to go out there and be a leader for her team right now. So I think I, I think anyone suggesting the no, suggesting the notion that the Liberty were tanking last year, I think that notion is absolutely ludicrous. All right, I'm with it, Miles. If you didn't want to say anything, we got to talk roster. I mean that that's that's what this episode is about. One of the keys of this is we got to talk roster. So Jeff, I'm gonna put you on the hot seat. Right. You're going to you're going to look at this roster. You're going to tell me they got like 30 people on this roster right now. You had seven rookies from last year. Right. You got an influx of new players. A lot of players went out. I want you to go in. Talk to me about, you know, first list off who you think the shoe ins are. 
And then who's going to take those last spots? And now, Miles, I want you. This is like that ESPN show. Feel free to chime in at any point. Do a little ding, 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 whatever you want to do. Chime in if you disagree or you want to point something out. Uh, but don't feel the need to kind of wait for him to finish. I want you to, you know, bring it bring it while it's hot, as they say. Gotcha. Well, I got news for you, Ari. I, I think this uh, this Ionescu character at Oregon, I think she uh, I think she Who might, is she? I, she might have to <laughs> things to worry about this year, you know, only three games. That's uh oh boy, she might have to worry about that. So uh <laughs> definitely on the hot seat, I feel. <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> but um you take a look you take a look at the Liberty roster as is right now. Okay, the the sh- the shoe right now in this roster, I feel, you know, you go down obviously uh, obviously Ionescu, uh Howard Laney uh Stokes I think is one although I think yeah I think you know she could be uh she could be a she could be trade bait later I feel I think that's sorry that's the first time I'm gonna hop in here and cut you off boom Um, love it the something to think about with Kia Stokes is she's getting a late start to the season and we still don't have all the information about her potential overseas commitments if it's for Eurobasket because she played in Eurobasket in 2019 so if hypothetically she were to do that again and then be out for the Olympics, potentially, like that's already two thirds of the season. And while she's on a guaranteed contract, by the time she gets back, if there's somebody that's at, at that time, if the roster changes up or there's someone coming back from injury or hopefully miraculously like Asia Durr is in a place where she can really, where she can get in and play basketball again, or Marine Johannes wants to come over that roster spot might not be as safe as it is. If she were showing up at camp right now, ready to go. You know, it's really tough. It's really tough to, uh, you know, fully talk about Asia Durr because obviously we hope she gets, gets well soon and we encourage her. I, I think I speak for all of us when we said we encourage her to take her time and not rush this by any stretch of the imagination. So it's a, it's it's always tough to it's always tough to fully analyze this, but you're absolutely right about that. It, it kind of surprised me to see uh, Kia Stokes get the immediate extension before the season even ended. You know because you know, uh, you know she did discover a new talent last offseason. She really upped her uh, outside shooting game, and Walt Hopkins seemed very enthused by that as as she seemed to adapt to the brand of positionless basketball that she wants to play. So she got her, she earned herself a, a new contract last year. Uh, this is a team, sorry. And this is a team that needs her right now, especially, I think so. uh, especially on the backs of, on the back of losing Jocelyn Willoughby. And they've got a lot of these like hybrid three, four players, but they don't have a lot of players that could stay down low back to the basket at the five. Kylie Shook started the other night. Um, but Natasha Howard is going to get a late start to the season. As I just said, Kia Stokes is going to get a late start to the season. So the team does have a need for someone who can get down low, especially with those bigger teams, rebound the ball, and just put her hands up, be vertical, and make it a little bit more difficult for teams. Especially with uh, Amanda Zowie being no longer employed by the organization. I think that that comes up big as well. Losing a uh, interior presence, I also had a propensity for shooting outside. Uh, looking at the rest of this roster right now, you know, the, the deliberate roster is so tough to predict because as, as Miles has mentioned, you know, they have several players still completing their overseas duties right now because so someone could make the opening day roster, but they could be gone by the time, you know, some comes back by the time, say, a Beck Allen comes back. And I'm really interested to see what Beck Allen could do because it seems like. Every other availability that Wall Hopkins has, or anytime he talks to somebody, he is more. It, it's mostly during uh, one-on-ones that he has 
he always seems to call Rebecca Allen out by name. And she seems tailor-made, like developed in a lab almost for the Wolf Hopkins system out there. She can shoot from deep. She loves defense. And she's a, she's a terrifically tenacious defender. So she could be the key to unlocking this entire thing. I think Nay is also is also there. Michaela from UCLA, their first their first round pick. I think she's uh, I think she's a lock as well. Hopkins had some strong work, has some uh, positive comments for her after Monday's scrimmage. Uh, Kylie Shook is another one. You you brought her up just now, Miles. Kylie Shook is very interesting to me in the sense that uh, all the young players, particularly the newcomers, have seemed to call her out by name and mention how helpful she has been to their uh, transition and development. So. I think she has a spot there as well. Uh, yeah. Sorry, if I could jump in on Kylie real quick. Um, something that was specifically, that we've specifically heard a lot is just how vocal she's been. And she was even in one of those um, short teasers that we got where she was screaming out call, play calls and things like that. And I remember, I remember last year there was one game where she got really, really hot from the field and hit a couple of like deep jumpers at the end of shot clocks or at the end of quarters. And during those, it was her Louisville teammate, uh, former Louisville teammate, uh, and still current teammate, I guess, Chaz Jones, who was like shouting at her to like shoot the ball and be, be like confident, be aggressive. And I, I think that like just hearing that uh, the young players that are coming in or the returning players who, who saw where she was at last year as opposed to this year, were so high on her improvement and her just her ability to vocalize and just like her comfort level. That's a huge thing for like a team. Like I said, with, with what they're missing up front, they're going to desperately need her. And it sounds like she's up to the challenge. Yes, definitely. Um, I'm trying how, how many have I named so far? All right. right so we got Howard Laney, Wickham, Clarendon, Stokes, Allen. So that's six. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Michaela on, you I always, I, that's why I just call her Michaela. That, 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 that's why I said Michaela. And look, I'm the last person in the world that should talk about last names. I, and so I <laughs> really apologize. And then, uh, well, now I lost count. Let's see. Howard, Laney, Wickham, Clarendon, Stokes, Allen, Sabrina, Michaela, Jazz Jones, Jocelyn Willoughby's out. Uh, we've talked about Liana Odom. We've talked about Kylie Shook, Dee Dee Richardson. That puts us over. Um, especially because we have Asia Durr. That's where it gets a little bit tough. That's where, you know, and that's why I wanted to bring this up because I think it's going to be, obviously, look, we don't know what's going to be the final situation with Asia Durr, Hmm. right? We, I think it's safe to assume Willoughby gets suspended for the season due to injury, so they open up a roster spot. Um, And then Johannes is just another wrench in the clog of what are they going to do? I mean, the, the positive and the negative of what happened last season is the Liberty got to get a lot of tape on these players. Mm-hmm. The negative is a lot of other teams. Now, there's not a lot of open roster spots in this league, but a lot of other teams got tape on those players also. And New York might be put in a tough situation where I'm he- I know you guys spoke about this earlier. We're big on Odom, right? We're yeah. big on Jasmine Jones and Kylie Shook, I think, has a lot of upside also. But I think we might be in a situation where one of those might not make the roster. Now, I'm not saying that for sure. I'm just looking at the numbers and going, ooh, this is going to be a tough, and there's, you know, we can talk about expansion, whatever. It's going to be hard for all of these young players to make this roster when you have this influx of vet. I don't, I, I don't think that 
unfortunately, right now, Asia Durr should be counted into that number. I um, can keep her. And yeah, in in the closest thing that we could get to confirmation, which seemed like it was pretty on point, was Walt Hopkins at an availability. Eric Ayala had asked him a question about how Asia Durr was, what was her status and how was she recovering? And he said, at this point, it's a possibility, but it's a very low probability. And he didn't get into details past that, but for as close to the chest as as this team likes to hold all of their information, that read to me like they know how things are, where things stand. And they also just know how difficult um, this recovery has been. And it's been... Um, it's been really public too. So Asia Durr, hope like if there's good information, I think we'd be hearing it from her. Uh, but as of now, I don't think that we could assume that she'll be on the roster at any point this season. Well, no, no, no. And I, I agree with you on that. And I know Jeff wants to get in here real quick, but all I'm saying is that it's, it's one thing to whether or not she's quote unquote on the roster. It's another thing if they suspend or whatever it is. And obviously they have all the tools in their arsenal to do that. But I'm curious to see what ends up happening I agree with you. I think it's safe to assume we're looking at some like she's not going to count towards the cap or towards the 12. Um, But also interesting is this is a team that could very well uh, be carrying 12, which is not going to be that common in the league this year. Sorry, Jeff. Go. No, it's totally fine because uh, like like we've been talking about, there there are players and that that should also kill the uh, tanking discussion, by the way. There are several players. Uh, Joyner Holmes, for example, I think she did a tremendous job last year in the sense that she not only had to impress the Liberty, but she had to impress the other 11 teams as well. Mm-hmm. She tied a record for most rebounds by a Liberty rookie in a game. And she went out there and, you know, if I were her, I would have had that game film on the desks of every all all 12 GMs of the WNBA next year uh, uh, on, on the de- all the WNBA GMs throughout the league. Now, granted, she, I'm sure not, she's probably a lot smarter than I am. So, to, and you know, she has more skill, obviously that's why she's on the court and I'm writing about her. So I feel, I, but that's, that seemed like something that seemed like the right thing to do. And Odom was another one in the sense that, you know, again, it's so hard for f- number 15 picks, even number 12 picks like Jasmine Jones to stay on a roster, but they made themselves and this seemed to be, you know, a big, t- and this was a big term and didn't seem to be, it was a big uh, buzzword in 2020. They made themselves essential out there. And at the end of the season, both Hopkins and Cobb both really expressed hope that they were going to be able to keep the entirety of the 2020 draft class. One of whom of course is not going to be with them this year in Jocelyn Willoughby, which, which, which is a shame because Sammy Whitcomb was speaking today and she felt that Jocelyn was uh, really poised for a breakout here. I per- per- personally, what I loved about uh, Willoughby at Virginia, she was able to get to the foul line so many times. And that was a problem for the Liberty back in 2019. They improved a little bit, bit this year, uh, last year rather, but um, that was a problem they had. And it was the best place to get free points. So, you know, it's interesting with this roster. And I think there are going to be opportunities in the early going, but those are going to be crucial for these players. Like you have to perform then for your team, for the team that you're on. And you also have to perform for the other 11. And I think there are, opportunities on this roster for players like that, for players like a Joyner Holmes. Valerie Higgins, their third-round pick out of Pacific, the first player ever chosen out of Pacific in the WNBA draft. She got some nice comments from Hopkins and Jones after Monday's scrimmage. Jones said she tipped, uh, she tipped, like it's not an official stat, but she tipped, quote, five or six passes 
that led to Connecticut turnovers on Monday. So I think she could have a chance to get on this lineup early on, get on this roster early on and impress for the other 11. So it's real quick, real quick, Miles, before you go, I just going to run down this so we can count this off. Natasha Howard, Benajah Laney, Sammy Wickham, Lasia Clarendon, Kia Stokes, uh, Becca Allen. uh, That's five. Excuse me. (laughs) Sabrina, Michaela, Jasmine. That was six. Oh, shoot. All right. Natasha, Benajah, Sammy, Lasia, Kia, Rebecca. There we go. Sabrina, Michaela, Jasmine, Liana. All right. Kylie. And then you have one more spot. Could that be Dee Dee Richards? Uh, you know, could that be someone else? I don't know. Uh, Miles, I know you wanted to talk, but just running it out. That was 12 right there. Go. Um, I think that we might be able to cheat a little bit for those first that first week or two if Kia Stokes and Benaja Lanier are still caught overseas. Um, they could potentially sign a couple of these players out of camp um, to, to play those those couple of weeks so that the Liberty are not running with 10 mm-hmm. players potentially. Uh, but I would agree with most of Jeff's list. Again, Marine, Marine Johannes is going to be, they're going to have to do something to figure out later on in the season if she wants to come over. And she did a couple of years ago, but just like the team has been really, really high on Beck Allen, they've been really, really high on Marine Johannes too, because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. every every press conference in the offseason, if you brought up just Eurobasket, any player in Eurobasket, whether it was Benaja Laney or it was Kia Stokes, it would always come back to Marine. Um, so the, the, they're really, really high on just her potential and just what we saw out of her. She had two perfect games from the field, six for six, and in each of them, I think she hit four threes. She's so flashy with the behind the back passes and the the like crazy layup package where she's finishing these Statue of Liberty one hand reverses. Um, I was going to add in just Valerie Higgins. Everyone was raving about her the other night. So don't just think because she's a third round pick, she can't make an impact. Um, but they've been hit hard. They Jocelyn Willoughby led the team in three point percentage last season. Uh, she was at 40 and a half percent, I believe. And the season before that, Rebecca Allen led the team at 42.6. So this will be the, the third straight or the second straight season now that they're returning without their top three point shooter. And for a team that shot from three so much last season, only the wings took more by like a couple of threes, but the Liberty by far had the worst three point percentage. It's, it's big for them to have people out on the perimeter that can hit those shots. Oh, definitely. Most definitely. Especially, you know, when we're talking about Walt Hockman's system and what he's made abundantly clear is he wants to play modern basketball, shoot a lot of threes. All right, let's move on. Weakness, strength. We're talking weakness right now. What do we think the weakness of this team is going to be? I'm going to like, I think experience is kind of the cop out. What I'm going to say is not, not even continuity. Cause that's obvious. And they actually have a surprisingly large amount of continuity, but uh, camarad- not even camaraderie, just gel together. We've talked about a lot of key players, a comeback player of Kia Stokes, uh, a new player in Laney and Howard being slightly late to joining this team How's that? Those are high impact, high importance players for this team, which is going to cause, you know, a ripple effect for and, and, and maybe a slow start to some degree and a, and a growing pain to another degree. So for me, it's that it's 
having players that are so important to this roster and this roster having so much turnover and being so different, uh, I think that's going to be the biggest issue and the biggest weakness of this team. But feel free, Miles. I'm going to let you go first. Feel free to uh, get a little bit more specific into your defense, three-point shoot, whatever you think the weakness of this team is, uh, share it, Put let it out. Um, something that happened the other night is after that scrimmage on Monday night, Walt Hopkins said, we played well, we played with a lot of effort, but we gave up a lot of long rebounds and we turned the ball over a lot. And last season, nobody turned the ball over more than New York. And opponents scored 19.1 points off turnovers. And again, like we said before, that is largely that could largely be due to the fact that they were playing without a natural point guard. And Lasia Clarendon stepped in and they played really, really serviceable uh, ball-dominant basketball. But Jazz Jones was put into that position. Now you're bringing Sabrina back. But Sabrina's someone who will, players have said in practice since last year, you have to make sure your head is up because you're going to think she doesn't see you. And the next thing you know, you've got a pass zipping right at your face. And we saw a lot of balls fumbled out of bounds, even in the two and a half games that she played last season. So it's going to be getting used to playing with Sabrina, even if you have a point guard, um, because there were just so many live ball turnovers. So it wasn't just that they were turning the ball over, but they were working hard to get their shots and then settling for, for breaks in the other direction if they were long rebounds that were run out or cross-court passes. Um, so I think turnovers are really the, the first thing they've got to focus on. Jeff? I think uh, offensive rebounding is going to be a major concern, as Miles said. And I think that, you know, while her time, you know, in New York may have run its course, I think that they are going to miss uh, Amanda Zoe B more than they uh more than they anticipate. And I think they have, they have started to take a look at that. And and they're also going to miss someone we haven't uh, talked about as much. Uh, Han, Han Shu, I think they're going to miss as well. A uh, fan favorite out, the, out there in uh, the place we do not speak of. Um, she's a fan favorite out there. And um, even with her limited time, you know, has a fantastic story out there and whatnot. I believe uh, Jackie Pell confirmed that uh, she won't be. Uh, she's going to be on uh, on that suspension list. But so I think they started to prepare for that contingency a little bit. And uh, I'm, ta- I'm taking a look. According to uh, Michaela herself, she did this. This was in an interview with the uh, Los Angeles Times in uh, Jan- January 2021. Uh, she told Holly Rowe back in 2019 her last name was pronounced Own Yen Wade. Own Yen Wade. So. Um, I'm, I'm going to keep it up with Michaela. I certainly don't want to mess it up again. I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, so um, Michaela has, um, you know, the rebounding ability. She did very well at UCLA last year, and that's going to be the big concern for this team. And they have to get better on the offensive boards. When you want to be a team, like the team I always compare them to is um, Jay Wright's Villanova Wildcats on the men's side, because you know they're a team that you know that loves to put up threes. If they if they run to trouble, if they run to a problem, they love to throw three pointers at the problem and try to get away with it. And I feel that you know offense and rebounding is become going to become a huge. Th- it's great that you have fearless players out there, players who aren't afraid to take the open look out there. But at the same time, you have to be prepared for every contingency. And when you're in a position like the Liberty, again, I I don't think they're I don't think it's fair to them, as a matter of fact, to say they're championship contenders at this point. But to bring up a contemporary WNBA example, I they remind me a little bit of the Las Vegas Aces in Asia Wilson's uh, rookie year, 
in the sense that, you know, they they can play a little bit with nothing to lose. You know, new identity, new arena, new city entirely, as a matter of fact. And, you know, they can go in there with a relatively young lineup with some experienced names in there. And they can, you know, just cause problems and be what I like and, and be, I think the proper term would be, be pesky out there. You know, people aren't looking at the Liberty anymore and going like, ooh, automatic. Oh, oh that, that, that'll be that'll be one. That's fine. This, if this was, you know, college basketball. They last year they would be the team everyone would schedule homecoming against in a way, if that may. <laughs> and you know that and that in the set that is no longer the case this year. But at the same time, they need to make the most out of every possession still out there. And I think the offensive rebounding, I think the interior is going to be a bit of a point of emphasis and something they need to at least work on moving forward. And of course, a defense as well. Will Hopkins has made that a point of emphasis all camp, and rightfully so. The, over the past two seasons, the Liberty, the Liberty have given up over 85 points a game. Jeez. Well, I all right, cool. So we're on. Well, all of us are on the same page. I like that. Let's talk about strength of this team. I'm gonna say something that's gonna piss off some New Yorkers. Uh-oh. Get in my DMs. I don't care. Uh-oh. Strength, strength. Of this team is you only can go up. <laughs> we we like and and as horrible as that sounds and pissed off as you know maybe somebody in the the Liberty camp might get for me saying that. Like at the end of the day, and and you know maybe I'm crazy for saying this with so many newcomers. I like what these newcomers bring. Natasha Howard, I'll let her shoot a three. Benajah Laney, I'll let her take it to the paint. Sammy Whitcomb could shoot three threes before you say shoot three threes. Um, A lot of possible positives. But for me, I'm going to say the strength, the thing that this team is going to fall back on is what they gained last year as, as they preach throughout the whole season is finding victories outside of the scoreboard. And I'm not saying that in the sense of, they, you know, like they have to accept they're going to lose a lot of games. I think this team should definitely win more than two games this coming season. Uh, it'd be a disappointment if they don't. But having that ability to look at that and say we're only moving forward as their strength, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, if you're you're in the water and you're you're paddling for your life, you know that you know what the what the negative is. You are going to push yourself. You are going to put every last breath, every last drop of sweat into that. Jeff, you first. What do you think the strength of this team is? Yeah, it's an interesting way to put and don't and don't worry, I said the same thing all draft weekend for the New York Jets last weekend. So uh they're pretty <laughs> much in the same boat, unfortunately. And w- wouldn't you know it, they also won only two games last season, which oh dear. <laughs> but um at the same at, at the same time, I think you're absolutely right. I think the Liberty are in a sense, again, play like rookie Asia Wilson in the sense that they can play fearless and i think that makes them particularly dangerous they play fearless out there there's fearless shooting opportunities out there for this team and i think that they have to they have to continue to do that they have to continue to trust in themselves trust in each other and i think that i think one thing that really stands out to me like like i uh like we were talking about at the top of the broadcast they have been through so much in recent years so many calamities so much craziness again calamities that often work as death sentences to WNBA squads we've seen others fall it's it's almost appropriate we're talking about this at the 25th anniversary how many legendary teams have we seen fall under similar circumstances the the charlotte sting for example the sacramento Mm -hmm. The Dynasty Houston Comets, they all fell to moving to a small arena, uh, a, a divorce from, or a separation, divorce, that's, that, that doesn't necessarily at all, from an NBA <laughs> brother. And, uh, you know, they, they cut, and, you know, it, it, it's often the precursor, it's 
it's often the final, this final, it's, it's basically the guy, the guy's playing the violins as the Titanic goes down, as a matter of fact. That's basically what it's, what's amounts to be. But the Liberty have overcome that. And there are plen- plenty of players on this roster who have come out and their resiliency is second to none. Jazz Jones, like we were talking about, uh, you know, she comes out there. She she's in a very awkward position. She went through more in her own rookie season than many other players have gone through. Again, their entire careers, or at least maybe the first five to eight years. She goes out there. She is forced to play a position she hadn't played since high school and manages to be honored by the league for her efforts. So I feel that this, the resiliency of this team is second to none, where you can show this this team some tough, brutal situations from an encore perspective, and they'll be and they'll basically shrug and be like, "Yeah, been there, done that." So, and that does contribute to the place to the uh, sense of being uh, nowhere to go but up. But at the same time, there's that sense of resiliency, and you know, it just goes back to the classic axiom: oh, "What doesn't kill you makes you stronger." And the Liberty have endured a lot of that over the past four years. Miles? I mean, I'm glad we're finally talking about some strengths because I am excited to watch this team. They are going to be a matchup nightmare. Every time they're stepping on the court, they're going to have, in their starting lineup, they're going to have three players out there who are going to be a huge, huge difficulty for the defense to keep track of. Natasha Howard, Banaja Laney, and Sabrina Unescu. And Sabrina, obviously, we haven't seen enough of her. But something about Natasha Howard that I want to bring up specifically is her pick-and-roll game. And just the fact that she can stretch out and hit some threes is a great thing. But I remember I was researching her pick-and-roll finishing, and something that was really interesting is that she did really well in 2018 and really well in 2020 and not so well in 2019. In 2018, she was in the 96th percentile finishing the pick-and-roll In 2019, she dropped down to 41st percentile, and then in 2020, back up to 88th. What was the the reason for that outlier? Sue Bird was injured for all of 2019. So now she's coming to a team with not just one pick-and-roll threat, but Sammy Wickham, she's comfortable playing more and more on the ball, and Sabrina, like I said before. And then you got to think about... Natasha Howard can run the break. She can just grab the ball and just start sprinting down the court. So you're going to be having like opposing teams are going to have to check her in transition while also looking out for Sammy Whitcomb on one wing and Sabrina Unescu on the other side, or she flips it to Sabrina and then she starts streaking down the floor herself. This is going to be a complete nightmare for other defenses. Um, And she's Howard is an efficient finisher. She's an athletic defender. Like I said, she can run the break. And Sammy Wickham, we know she can shoot it and it takes her no time at all to get that shot up. All right. Now's the fun part. Ceiling and floors of this team. And I'm going to make some New York people a little bit happy with me, I think. Right. To me, the ceiling of this team and and I'll, I'll pass it over to you first, Miles, and then to you, Jeff. For me, the ceiling of this team will go with that first, you know, positive things first. I think the seven seed and call me crazy. There's. Six teams above them, I just would be absolutely, pun intended, floored to see them jump ahead of. But that being said, I think, you know, being a seven seed is not bad. Like, if they got an eight seed, they make the playoffs. That is a huge victory for this team. I would say the floor for this team is obviously you're back in the lottery uh, and you're looking at the 12th seed. Um, But it's also, I mean, it's not crazy to think, okay, Atlanta Dream lose their coach two weeks before or a week and a half before the season starts. 
that team maybe isn't going to progress that we thought they were. So you're hopping above them. I think it's easy to say uh, that they're going to do better than the Indiana Fever. I think you could definitely argue and make a case that the Dallas Wings and them are going to be fighting for that seven and eight spot. Um, so I think it will be a Connecticut one. Or Sorry, I'm just looking at lists of teams now. So I, I read Connecticut. Um, but the L.A. Sparks also are a team that, you know, would it be completely mind-blowing, shocking for them to to drop out of that that top seven? I don't think it's that crazy. Uh, but again, floor would be a 12 seed, 12 place. <laughs> Miles, talk to me. Ceiling and floor. I'm right with you. Um, this this team, I wrote an article a couple of months ago for Windsider about which team that missed the lottery last season is best positioned to make to make it into the playoffs this year. And everything that could have broke wrong for the Liberty in 2020. So like we were saying before, if you're looking at that record, if you're looking at that two and 20 without any context at all, sure. You're going to think that's a team that has to leapfrog all of these other teams, but with all of the talent that they've added, and it's arguable that there aren't any teams that added more talent to their, their existing roster than New York. Um, I, I think that they, they jump over those, those three teams that didn't make it last year. And then we're going to have to see what happens with uh, the Sparks because the Sparks lost two out of their big three. Um, The Mystics had lost Alicia Clark, which is a big injury. The Sun lost Alyssa Thomas. So it's, it's all going to be about consistency. And I think that that's, that's where they could falter and fall back into the lot into the lottery is if this team can't keep it together every night. And that's, that's, really, really tricky with whenever you have a young team is just to make sure that you're running the, the correct plays and that your your principles are strong, that you're boxing out and that you're doing that consistently because otherwise that could snowball and they could end up back in the lottery again. I love it. It's uh yeah, that's honesty. Jeff, where you at? Well, uh, again, the floor, I mean, I feel like they've already been there for the past three years. So <laughs> I mean, just I think just a quick look back into the history books should show you where the floor is. But I'll put it this way. If the Liberty can get to a point where they can host a playoff game, which would be, you know, five or six, that's a very success, very successful season for them because they've undoubtedly improved this season. They have added world-class talent new york is a destination again for basketball and yeah and you know you, you come in there you know new arena you put, get to play you get to play in the great in the in the greatest city in the world and whatnot you come in there and they're a destination again uh, but again there is going to be growing pains with this squad uh, we're not sure who's going to be around for the first few weeks of the season as you said uh you know even if, even if they get even if they only even if the european seasons only lap by you know two games that's st- that they're still going to have to deal with uh covid protocols and whatnot not to mention jet lag it's a forgotten cause and uh, it's a forgotten problem in 2021 <laughs> but uh, <laughs> i think that um I think that, you know, if this team could get to the point where they can open Barclays Center for a playoff game, that would be a very successful year for them. And, you know, obviously, what's so interesting about the WNBA in 2021 is that it's very top heavy. But at the the same time, you look at the rest of the teams out there, it wouldn't surprise me if any combination of, say, the remaining 10 behind let's just say for argument's sake uh you know the top the top two we could pro- we could probably agree seattle and vegas at this point probably 
I would disagree with you on that one, but that this is a New York Liberty <laughs> podcast and I won't get into that. But no, I think I agree with, I agree with you that it's top heavy. I think it's probably more top heavy into like a full, like the top four. That that's my take. Okay. There, there's eight, eight, eight movements that you could argue with me and I wouldn't be completely shocked and crazed. Uh, but the top four, it's, it's top four heavy in my mind. Chicago is another one that I think we should all keep an eye on as well, by the way. I've, 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 I put, I I've put, I put the sky in my, I've, had this guy as my champions in the past two WNBA predictions. I promised I wouldn't do that this year. <laughs> then suddenly, then Candace Parker happened. So here we Third are. Third time's the charm, my man. <laughs> but um, at the, at, but I digress. Uh, any any combination beyond say the top, let's say two to four for argument's sake, it wouldn't shock you any combination of the remaining eight to ten filled out the rest of the bracket. So I think that's so interesting for this team. And you know they could. I'm not saying this should be the expectation. I'm not saying this will happen. If they got to the four, then we're cooking with something. But I don't think that – I don't think – I think there's simply too many question marks in the early going at least. But if you get to the point, I think right now, hosting a playoff game is their ceiling. As for the floor, just look back at the past couple of years. Miles, what are your thoughts? Just wanted to add one little thing about even if they – miss the playoffs and they unfortunately fall again into that floor. They have a four game lead on every other team going into this season um, for best lottery odds because they only won those two games last season. Oh, wow. Oh, geez. That's a really good point. Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. Good. Good. I love when people just drop a stat that goes, Oh, wow. Huh? All right. Key players. And then we're logging off for tonight. Appreciate the the long stance. I sorry I'm keeping you guys from your your busy evenings, uh, but really excited to talk about this, and I appreciate it. I'm gonna go first with key player, and I'm gonna pick somebody who, while I don't think fits the requirement specifically, it's somebody who I know neither of you are gonna pick, and I'm saying that assuming. So hopefully I don't make a jerk out of myself. Uh, I'm going with Jazz Jones. I am. She is a player that I got so hyped watching last year, and I. Just hope she gets the minutes to continue her growth and her trajectory, her intensity, her athleticism, her shooting ability. Um, she was on and on both sides. And I just want to see more of Jazz Jones this coming season. So key player, not in the sense of, you know, I always like to frame it when we're doing these episodes. A key player is a player who is going to have, in your opinion, the most impact on either reaching the ceiling or falling to the floor. Miles, you're up. Well, first thing on Jazz Jones is Jazz Jones is everything that I tried to em- emulate as a player when I was growing up because I was not the tallest. I was scrawny and lanky when I was in high school. So I would have to dive all over the floor to get to every loose ball. And my my grandparents came to one game of mine and then they said they're never coming to another game because they were terrified that I was going to get hurt all the time. And <laughs> I understand that watching Jazz because she just throws her body everywhere and she's hitting these layups from while she's like diving and horizontal with the ground. It's, it's incredible to watch. And she's just so much fun. She's also like such a fun interview because she gets in the zone and, and she knows it and it's great. Um, I could go with the, the cheap answer here, but I'll leave that one for, for Jeff if he wants it, but I'm going to say Natasha Howard. This team has talked nonstop in the off season about defensive identity and, they they were ninth in defense last season, which while while being twelfth on offense is obviously better than that, but it's still not as good as how good they're going to need to be 
if they're going to make it into the playoffs. If they're going to make it into the playoffs, they're going to need to be in the top half of the league. And it's because we talked about they might have some trouble rebounding the ball. And they also need to cut up, cut, uh, cut down on those very, very easy transition turnovers. So if Benajelani, who was in the 84th percentile, according to Synergy last season, defending the pick and roll, if she could make things difficult on the perimeter, and then you've got Natasha Howard, who's one of the best help defenders in the league and like a former 2019 defensive player of the year. Um, I, I think that Howard specifically, what she does, I would argue that she should have won most improved two years in a row. She um, had the largest point improvement at the year after winning the most improved award, which she won in 2018. And she went from most improved to then in 2019 being all WNBA first team. So like that's her ceiling. That's what we know she's capable of. And if she could hit that peak and, and use and take that extra usage rate that the Liberty can provide for her and just convert some of those easy looks, um, she could do it on both ends for the team. Uh, real quick. I'm just going to shine in. Anytime we talk about most improved player of the 2019 season, I always want to, Remind everyone that the voters got it wrong. It should have been Mercedes Russell, in my opinion. And now, Jeff, go. Former Liberty. Um, that's <laughs> yes. You know, that's that's so weird. Darn, darn you, Grammarly. The, I yes, Grammarly. I meant to type the Liberty or former Liberty or whatever. But um, anywho, I think that uh, you're absolutely right, both of you, in that regard. That Howard can truly be. These are two players, both Jones and Howard. Those are both players that can truly put the V in MVP for this team and Jones in particular, we talked about, we talked about it. I feel several times throughout this broadcast, how she dealt with the adversity of this, of last off season. Not only did she deal with it, she embraced it and literally danced her way over the competition. She loves to dance. You always see her during the pregame. We've seen her during training camp through the snippets they've sent us through uh, social media. She loves to dance and you know, it wouldn't, you wouldn't expect anything less out of her. Um, as we were talking about before, I think that the key to all this could well be, international import Rebecca Allen because again Hopkins has sung the world of her and they haven't they haven't spent a day on the court together just yet and Beck Allen again seems tailor-made for Hopkins's system in the sense that she's a tenacious defender she loves to put up the three and you know she loves to you know get to throw herself in there for the rebound she defines the peskiness that the Liberty can become, the the, the peskiness that the Liberty, the, the thorn in the side that the Liberty can be for teams across the league at this point, because, you know, Liberty and Dallas to a lesser extent as well. You know, I, I, I saw a picture, I think it was uh, Ian Eskew and uh, Sabley, and, um, you know, they said, uh, as someone said, like, caption this, and I said, uh, I said, uh, welcome back to the 2024 WNBA Finals. But uh, we'll get there. Remember this podcast when it happens. But um, I think that uh, you know when you look at when you look at this team, you know everyone wants to be, think, look at them and think like, oh, we don't have to worry about them now. We'll, we'll worry about them later. But at the same time, you know Beck Allen can truly speed this process up a little bit. She comes in there. She can she she can truly you know really bring in the next step of this revolution help them take a step forward right now and get to the goals we mentioned in the ceilings get to the get to you know the playoff spot get to the point where you know you still you get like the number nine seed but you still go back on the fact that you have the four game lead in the lottery standings at this point get to you know a playoff home game which would be really exciting for them beck allen can be that person that helps them take the next step miles all right you didn't take it 
we have to we can't get past this without saying Sabrina Ionescu has to be in that conversation. <laughs> we, we haven't even like talked about her enough. And honestly, I, I, I appreciate that because I think there's been a lot of hype around her and a lot of animosity towards her, which I think is unwarranted. Really? But I agree. I agree with you. I mean, look, what we saw in her first games, I think we would all be dumb to not be excited to, uh, to you know, to what we're going to see now. It's very different to put up ridiculous stats on a losing team mm. and then to put up any stats on a winning team. Mm-hmm. Those, no, those are very different things. Yeah, that's know, fair. We, we that's saw, fair. Through those three games, I think we saw, again, a fearless player that wasn't going to let the threats and challenges of a WNBA system you know, get to her. And I think it's really unfortunate uh, how, how some, uh, for lack of a better term, extremists out there have you know taken the narrative around her and have used the overhype. But she can't control that in a way. It's not her fault. That you know that you know some that she's the only person you know people have heard of, and that's unfortunate. That's and that's not any of the players' fault. That's more you know the the powers that be's fault in a way. And I feel that you know she shouldn't get the hatred for that 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 circumstance right there. So I think well, so she's just so good. Like yes, don't hate, hate all you want. Like if you weren't if you didn't watch those two and a half games, two and one quarter game, whatever the hell you want to call it, like. And if you watch those games and you were not excited and you didn't go, okay, now I get it, Hmm. then I don't know what we're talking about. Miles, I apologize. We cut you off. What did you want to say? No, no, this is, I understand. And we've talked so much about how this is a, what have you done for me lately league? Because there's just, there are just so many, there are only 144 spots, right? And even fewer this season. Hmm. And Sabrina's not someone who's in that keeper cut conversation. She, she, it's a lot of fans, like you said, like they said, well, she was the number one overall pick and she was anointed before she ever, you know, dribbled the ball in in the league, but she had 26 triple doubles in college and she came out and she struggled in her first game. She went four of 17 and missed all eight three point attempts against Seattle in that opener last year. And then what did she do? She came out the very next game and she hit. She scored 33 points, hitting six of 10 from three with seven rebounds and seven assists. So like she, and what'd she say in post game? She said, I was speeding it up. It was in my head a little bit too much. I just got to be out there and I got to play my game. And she absolutely did that. And then in her third game in 12 minutes, she hit four or five shots for 10 points before she got hurt. Like she was already on track for another really strong game. So like she could play at this level and it's been a while since we saw her and the last year has felt like 10 years because of COVID and the fact that we haven't left the house, but do not forget that Sabrina Unescu is a game changer. She's a game breaker. Mm. An amazing way to finish this episode. Let me remind you, Winsider is your one-stop shop for all your WNBA news and conversation. We can't do it without your help. Become a subscriber at patreon.com backslash Winsider for just a few dollars a month. You can help grow the game.